0: Now, if you are new with us, my name is Trent and I'm one of the pastors here at Epic and I'm gonna be wrapping up our series today that we have been in over the past six weeks called God Is. And in this series, what we've been doing is trying to correct some of the misperceptions that we have about God. And if you think about it, there are many misperceptions that we have about him. There are many ways that we don't really understand this God who sent Jesus to die so we can live. If you think about it, If you have a bad experience with a Christian or with a church, I'm not asked for a raise of hands because probably most hands would go up, but if you have a bad experience with Christians or church, often we take that out on God and go, well, if that's how Christians are, if that's how uh, church is going to be, well, I'm just not going to go to church anywhere. And we kind of take that out on God. Or if something bad happens in your life, something bad happens in somebody else's life, and and you say, well, apparently God doesn't love me. And if God's going to allow that to happen, apparently God doesn't love me. Or maybe God isn't a loving God if he's just going to let that happen. And so we kind of distance ourselves from a God who does love us just because we don't really know him very well. So again, in this series, we're trying to correct some of those misperceptions that we have. And we've learned that God lives outside of the boxes that we try to put him in. He lives outside of those little labels that we give him. He lives outside of our misperceptions about him. The reality is God is a loving father and he welcomes all of his prodigal children home. And that's all of us. We've all walked on paths that lead away from God. We've seen that God is for us, not against us. God steps in and rescues us even in moments when we don't deserve it. Our God is for us, not against us. We've seen that God exists in what Christianity calls the Trinity relationship. A perfect relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we have been invited into that relationship. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been invited into that perfect relationship. That's why how you live is so important. It's not okay to bring junk into the Trinity relationship, it's not okay to bring dysfunction into the Trinity relationship. So how we live really does matter. Now, there are so many other aspects of God that we could, we could explore together. I mean, this series could go on for months. We could explore the reality that God is love, and God is gracious and God is merciful and patient and kind and just and holy and righteous and on and on and on. There's so many things that we could explore about our great God and try to get a better understanding of him. But I thought that we would end this series in kind of a fun way and explore something that we don't like about God. Doesn't that sound like fun? Isn't that great? Great. So so we're going to look at an aspect today of God's character that we really don't like about him, but we desperately need it. Now, when we think about some of the other attributes of God or characteristics of God, we go, man, it's great to know that God is a loving father, that he would welcome his prodigal children home. That's awesome. So I I love to know that God is for me and that God would step in and, and Fix the damage that I've created. I think that's fantastic because I make stupid decisions all the time. How about you? I think it's great that God is patient because sometimes I'm a little thick-skulled. I think it's great that God is merciful. I mean, I'm like, God, bring it on more, just like more, I love all that. That's, that's great, that's great. But this one aspect of God, we say, I say, I don't like it. I don't like this part of you. This is our greatest struggle with God, and it's a struggle that we have for a lifetime. Now, before I tell you what that last characteristic is, let me ask a strange question and try to tie this back in, OK? So let me ask this. How many of you remember what those are? Like, like what is that? Merry-go-round, yeah. So that's a, a merry-go-round. Now, when I was a kid, you saw merry-go-rounds on almost every playground that was out there. And if you showed up at a playground and there wasn't a merry-go-round, you might as well go home. Because you know you're not going to have any fun. Like It's going to be a boring experience. You could tell the quality of the merry-go-round by how much paint has been chipped off, right? It, it's probably eaten by a, you know, one of us kids who now has brain damage from that and how deep the trenches around the merry-go-round like anybody seen those like big trenches around the merry-go-round i love those like if you showed up and you saw that you knew that was a good one you know probably some kid died there because it was so good like it went so fast it was great so um, my friends and i uh, there was a park close by our house when i was growing up and we lo- would love to go to the merry-go-round and it was kind of like a competition that we had between each other like who could stay on the merry-go-round the longest and we would all grab our, our handlebar, be three or four of us grab the handlebar, and it was great. So we'd do kind of like the bobsled thing. Like, here, one, two, three. And then you go and push as hard as you can possibly push. You run as fast as you could possibly run. And you just prayed that you didn't trip. Because if you tripped... Like, three or four of your buddies were going to trample you. Or you might get rolled up under the you know, the, the merry-go-round where a few other kids might have died. So you hoped that that didn't happen to you, but you ran as fast as you could. And then when you heard, on, you jump on. Try to stay on. Try to jump on if you can. And you would hope that you were not the kid that got flung off really early strategically where the big cement drain pipe was placed. You remember those things? Like, weren't those great? Um, someone strategically placed that a little too close to the merry-go-round on our playground, and there were moments like you'd be ended up plastered on that thing, and that wasn't a fun experience. Now, I don't know who came up with, with the name merry-go-round, because I don't remember a whole lot of merriness happening when we were going around. It was kind of like terror-go-round, you know, but if you survived, you were the champion. It was great, and as a kid, I loved to go around on the merry-go-round. It was fun. Beyond just the merry-go-round, I love bringing that concept home. With my mom and dad, I would love to have conversations that would go around and around and around. It was kind of fun. Just get that thing started. Conversation. My mom and dad would say, like, are you ever going to end this one? You should be a lawyer. You're arguing all the time. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's fun. This is awesome. But as an adult, I don't really like things that go around anymore. In conversation. Or in real life, like a little ride like that. You know, the, at the Disney, the little teacup? Yeah, I don't really like that. Like, I like, no, I don't, I don't want to go around. Like, I, I just get a little green in the face and sick. Like, my kids, I spin them around one time. They're like, Dad, again. I'm like, no, Dad's got to sit down. Like, I'm getting a little dizzy. And I don't like conversations that go around and around anymore. Um, I don't see any point in them. And there's, there's some people that just love that love to go around and around and around and stir it up and just gives, you know, get the conversation going as fast as possible where there's no really way to get off and then you just go nowhere. And I don't enjoy that. But today's message is going to feel like a ride on the good old merry-go-round. We're going to go around and around. And a number of you are probably going to say, is this ever going to end? And I'm not talking about the message. So you can relax, just knowing that the message will end. And you know you can go have lunch later. But our struggle with this aspect of God will not end. It'll continue. You'll leave today continuing to wrestle with this. And some of you are going to walk out of here saying, "Like I have more questions now than when I came in. Like, thanks, Trent. I'll tell you up front, you're welcome. So just going to tell you, I'm going I'm to give you some questions that you're going to walk out going like, I don't get that. I'm not sure how that fits in and, and, into my life, and I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do with that. So just know that today's message can cause that to happen. So if you are ready for a ride on the good old merry-go-round, even if you're not ready for a ride on the good old merry-go-round, here we go. So grab the handlebars. So this last characteristic of God that we're going to explore is found in Psalms 103, verse 19. It says this, the Lord has established his home in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. So the characteristic that we're gonna look at today is God's sovereignty. That's not a word that we use much in our culture, but if you look it up in the dictionary, you'll see descriptions like this. Unlimited power and authority, complete independence or autonomy, which means doesn't need anybody else or anything else for survival. And if we were to use the word sovereign to describe a nation, to say, hey, that nation is sovereign, then that means that nation is completely independent. That nation does not need any other nation to uh, survive. And you know, if you look around the world, how many nations now are really sovereign? I don't know. I mean, there's a whole lot of interdependence upon nations. But When we look at God's sovereignty, it means all of those things and more. But if we were to boil it down and kind of summarize what God's sovereignty means, it means God is completely in control. So think about this. There's not a single thing that happens on planet Earth. There's not a single thing that happens in your life that God doesn't know about. There's nothing that takes God by surprise. There's nothing that hasn't crossed God's desk and either gotten his stamp of approval, yes, I'm gonna allow this, or that God didn't cause to come into your life. So there's nothing that happens in the world that God doesn't know about, that God hasn't caused, or God hasn't allowed. Now, think about some of these aspects of God, this characteristic of God, His sovereignty, is described through the Bible. Revelation twenty-one tells, that, tells us that God is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And we looked at that in this series. We said, we, as far back as we can go in time, we we get to God. As far as we can go in the future, we get to God. God has always existed. God will always exist. Colossians 1 says that God is supreme over all creation and holds all of creation together. Then Psalms 115 tells us that God lives in the heavens. And get this, he does whatever he pleases. Whatever pleases God, that's what he does. Psalms 24.1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and its people belong to him. And I love this last one in Isaiah forty fifteen. It says that God holds the whole earth like a grain of sand in his hand. I mean, so for us, we look around at the earth and we're like, wow, it's pretty big. We just feel like a little speck of dust, you know, in comparison to the whole earth. And yet when God looks at the earth, he goes, it's just a grain of sand, like between my fingers. I mean, God lives beyond our comprehension, I mean, we can't comprehend God. We can't figure him out. He can do anything. He knows everything. He is everywhere. God is sovereign. He is completely in control in life. Now, here's where the tension comes in for us no other characteristic is more despised by us than this one. We hate this about God, it irks us to know that he is in control over everything. And he rules over everyone. That bothers us. And it causes us to fight against him in big ways or small ways. And the reason is we don't like God being in control. We want to be in control. We want to be in control of our lives. We like to control other people's lives. And we even like to control God. We want God to do for us what we want him to do for us. That's why Lucifer... The angel created as the angel of light fought against God and his power and his sovereignty. He watched God demonstrating his power and majesty and his sovereignty through creation. And Lucifer said, I want some of that. That's awesome. I'm gonna fight to get it. And then Adam and Eve came along and God said, listen, I don't want you to eat this fruit of this one tree. And they said, you can't tell us what to do. We wanna be just like you. And so they ate the forbidden fruit. That's why Cain, their son, murdered their other son, Abel, because Cain didn't want God telling him how to worship him. He said, listen, I'm not going to listen to you and how to worship. I'm going to worship you any way I want. So he took it out on his brother, Abel. That's why when God looked down on humanity around the time of Noah, he saw in people's hearts, the Bible says, it, there was just evil everywhere all god saw was evil filling the hearts of humanity that's why when the nation of israel went into to inhabit the promised land the land that god had promised to give them they couldn't fully inhabit all of that because they did not want to do what god had asked them to do they did some of it but not all of it and that's why at times i tell god leave me alone I don't want you to be sovereign. I don't want you to be in control in my life. I want to control what's going on in my life. I don't want you to control it. And that's why at times you say the same thing to God. There are moments that you say to God, back off. I got this. Like you're in control of everything else. Just leave me alone. Leave me alone for this weekend. I just want to do what I want to do. Leave me alone in this area. I don't want you to bother me in this area. Leave me alone in this relationship or this, this topic. Just leave me alone. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I want to be sovereign. Again, we don't like God's sovereignty because we want to be in control. But in those moments when we realize that we're not in control, you know those moments? Those moments? Those moments when you've worked so hard to make this thing work. I mean, I mean it was within your power. You, you thought it was, at least. And so you, you took every power that you could get to make this thing happen and control your life, control that person, control that financial issue, control that job thing, and it kind of messed up. Like, any show of hands? You have you ever messed up your life by trying to control it? Yeah, like, I do that way too often. But in those moments where we're trying to do that, we fight God's sovereignty in another way. We realize like, like, obviously I'm not in control because things aren't working out the way that I want. And so we kind of take the gloves off with God and we say, God, okay, so if you're really in control, then why don't you do more to help me out? Like, why didn't you stop me from making that stupid decision? Like, why did you let me do that? You knew it was gonna end horribly. Why, why did you let me do that? Why did you let me make that decision that would be bad for me? If you really are God, if you really are sovereign, if you really are loving, then why didn't you step in to help me out a little bit more? And then we take another step back and we look at our world and we say, all right, God, if you really are sovereign, if you really are in control, then why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Why is there so much evil? Why do people suffer unnecessarily? At the hands of evil people, why is there murder? Why is there this thing called human trafficking where people are bought and sold? Like, how could that stuff ever exist if you really are completely in control? So if you've ever asked questions like that, you were questioning God's sovereignty. Now, the answer to those questions comes in a package that we both love and we hate. I mean, there's parts of this that we love. And it generates a lot of the decisions that we make in life. And then there are big parts of this that we hate. And the answer is somehow wrapped in this gift that God has given us called free will. The reality that God created us with the ability to choose, to love him or reject him. And the Bible says we've all chosen to reject him. Isaiah 53.6 says all of us like sheep have strayed away, we've left God's paths to follow our own. So all of us have said at some point in our lives, no thanks, God, I got this. Like, I understand your way, I understand it's good, and I, I understand you know, it works out according to your plan, whatever, but I got a different plan. I got another thing I'm doing, another thing that I'm working on. So I, I just wanna be left alone on this one. I'm gonna do it my way. Even if you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, every time you sin, you're rejecting God's love. You're rejecting God's guidance. You're rejecting God's sovereignty in your life. And then here's where we start scratching our head and saying, okay, God, if you knew, if you, if you know everything, if you knew how I was gonna respond with this gift of free will, why did you give it to me? If you knew that I was gonna do bad with it, why would you let me have it? Why didn't you just make me love you? why didn't you just make me serve you? And this is where we step onto the merry-go-round and the, the circle begins. The answer is that God had to give us free will. God had to. Anything else wouldn't be loving. You see, God refuses to make people love him. He refuses to make people follow him. He refuses to make people obey him or choose him. That would go against his nature. Now, humor me for just a moment while I give you an illustration. Okay, my wife and I have been married for 20 years. And let's just say that I tell you the secret to our marriage, being married 20 years, the secret is that every day, uh, my wife woke up, and I said, good morning, Tammy. How are you today? And let's just say that I pulled out a handgun, and I stuck it to her head and say, now now tell me all the ways that you love me. I don't do that, so just <laughs> in case you were wondering. But let's just say I did. And let's say you heard about that. Would you say, wow, like Tammy really loves him. It's amazing. Like she lists 10 things every day. It's awesome. She always has something ready to talk about her her love for Trent. No, you would say, whacked out relationship. Like, what's wrong with him? I don't think I'm going to Epic anymore. And if I heard that about you, I'd be saying that, going like, whoa, stay away from that person. When my wife has the freedom to choose to love me, her love is genuine, it's not forced. And The same thing is true with God. God doesn't want forced love. God didn't make us to be a bunch of robots. God gave us the ability to choose, and when we choose to love him, that's love that's freely given. That's the only kind of love that God wants, is love that's freely given. So again, God had to give us this gift called free will, knowing that we could use it against him. Now, here's where the merry-go-round starts to pick up pace. If God is completely in control, then do we really have free will? Do we really have a choice in the decisions that we make? Or are we just pawns in God's board game of life? Listen to what the Bible says. Psalms 139 verse 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And then Proverbs 21 says, God holds the king's heart in his hand and directs it wherever he pleases. Ephesians 1.11 says, God makes everything work out according to his plan. So if God holds the heart of kings in his hands and directs them like wherever he wants to direct them, if God has already recorded uh, this book of your life and every day was already laid out before you were even born, if, if God works everything out according to his plan, then do we really have this thing called free will? Do we re- really have a choice to make or is there, has God already made the choice for us? Has God already decided Who's going to follow him and who's going to reject him? Maybe it doesn't matter how we live. Maybe some people are given good roles in the story of life. Some people are given bad roles in the story of life, and we're just playing a role, so it really doesn't matter. Just live however you want because you're just fulfilling the role that God has for you. And if that is true, then are we responsible for how we live? Can we really be responsible for the choices that we make if God has already predetermined the choices that we'll make? The other side of the tension that creates the spin on the merry-go-round is the belief that somehow our free will trumps God's sovereignty. That belief says God can only do so much because the moment we use our free will against him, his power is limited. God says, listen, I want to do more in your life. I want to stop more bad things from happening in the world. But every time you pull out that free will gift that I gave you, then I can't. I got to back off because, you know, you used the trump card against me. So is that a reality for us? And if so, maybe God isn't completely in control. Maybe God's just partially in control. Maybe God's not in control as much as we think he's in control. Romans 6.16 says, don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteousness living. And then there's this guy in the Old Testament part of the Bible by the name of Joshua. Joshua was a leader of the nation of Israel. He stood before them before he died, and the leaders, and he said, listen, here's the deal. You must choose today whom you will serve. You can serve other gods that aren't really gods, or you can serve the one true God. As for me and my house, we have decided to serve the Lord, but you must choose who you are going to serve. That looks like free will. That looks like we have the ability to choose to obey God or reject God. That looks like that choice rests with us. So again, what is it? Do we have the power to choose? Or are we forced to do what God has already predetermined for us to do? Now, I'm sure you could see how we could go around and around and around on this one and never really get an answer, So on one hand, the Bible says God is completely in control of everything, even our human decisions. And on the other hand, the Bible teaches we have the ability to choose whether we're gonna follow God or not, and that responsibility lies with us. Now, here's where we have to carefully step off of the merry-go-round for a moment, okay? Be careful as you do this. You could get flung into the big, huge, you know, cement drain pipe. Anytime we see two things in the Bible, that contradict, that seem to contradict each other. The reality is they are both true and we aren't seeing it the way that God sees it. There's something about that that we don't understand. We don't see it from God's perspective. We're seeing it from our human perspective and they are more closely tied to each other than we ever realize. So again, anytime we see something in scripture that looks like it's in contradiction to something else in scripture, They are both true realities. So is God completely in control of everything in life, even our decisions? The answer is yes. Are we fully responsible for the decisions that we make and how we choose to live? The answer is yes. Here's where we have to stand our merry-go-round up on its edge and see this subject uh, more like two sides of the same coin, opposite sides of the same coin than two things that are separate from each other. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, each of us will stand before God and give an account for the lives that we have lived. That means we have a responsibility for the choices that we make, for the lives that that we live. We cannot say to God, God, you made me this way, so I'm just doing what you've asked me to do, what you've pre-programmed me to do. We can't do that. Romans 9 makes that very clear. What we do matters. What we choose matters. We are responsible for the choices that we make. We will answer to God for every decision that does not come in line with his will for us. On the opposite side of the coin, God is completely sovereign. He's completely in control in life of even our human decisions. So you might ask, how do we resolve the tension that these two things create? And the answer is this, we don't. We don't resolve this tension. We've got to learn to live within the tension that these two truths, these two realities, create for us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 about things that, that create attention tension for us, things that we don't fully understand. In verse 12, Paul said, now we see things imperfectly, as in a cloudy mirror, but then, meaning when we're standing with God in heaven, but then... We will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. So again, we have to learn to live within the tension that these two realities create for us. God is completely in control and doing exactly what he has planned to do on planet earth. And we are fully responsible for every decision that we make, whether those decisions honor God or not. Now, each of us have a choice to make. We can choose to continue to ride on this merry-go-round, trying to to get an answer that we may not ever fully get, or we can learn to live within the tension that God's sovereignty and our free will creates for us. For those of you who would say, listen, like, I don't really like things that go around and around and around. Uh, here's what I suggest. If you would like to, to kind of step off of this for a moment, here's one thing that, or a couple of things that I suggest that we could do. The first thing is this, trust in God's sovereignty. Take a step in a direction today and say, listen, I don't understand your sovereignty, God, but I'm going to take a step in trusting you. So maybe you're in a situation right now, maybe something is happening for you, and it's a difficult thing, and you don't like it, and and it's beyond your ability to control. Maybe for you, the action point of today's message is that you say, God, I trust you. I trust you with this. I trust you in this difficult thing. I trust that you are completely in control, and you are going to work this thing out the way that you want it worked out. There you go, Romans 8.28, that's great, all right. So Romans 8.28, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So when you walk into a difficult situation, you don't have to see yourself as a victim. You're not a victim of life's cruel joke. God is working everything out the way that he wants You've got a choice to make. When you walk through a difficult season, you can trust God or not, but know that God is love. God is a loving father. God is for us. God is patient, kind, merciful, full of grace. God is completely in control in your life, completely in control. And God will work that thing out the exact way that God wants it to work out. So again, we have a choice to make. When we walk into a painful situation, we can say, God, why are you doing this? Or we can say, God, I don't understand this, but I choose, to, I choose to trust you. I'm taking a step in your direction of trusting your sovereignty that you are completely in control and you're gonna work this thing out for my benefit. Now, God, how do you want me to respond? What do you want me to do in light of the situation that I find myself in? Do you know the kind of God that I wanna hold on to in difficult moments of life? It's not a God who's partially in control. I want to hold on to a God who's completely in control. And I think you want the same thing. You want to serve. You want to follow. You want to hold on to a God who is in control of everything, even your decisions. In those moments where you're like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what decision to make. We all want to hold on to a God who's completely sovereign. So first, we have to trust that God is completely in control. And then... We have to take full responsibility for our lives. We have to live knowing that we are fully responsible for the choices that we make and that one day we will sit down with a holy God and we will have a conversation about the lives that we've lived and the choices that we've made, whether we made the world a better place or we lived only for ourselves, whether we helped other people who were in pain or we just caused more pain whether we chose to walk God's path or walk our own path, whether we chose to submit and trust God's sovereignty or we chose to fight God's sovereignty with every opportunity that we have. If you're a little dizzy from our ride on the merry-go-round this morning, here's how we're gonna end today's message. Um, In a minute, I'm gonna pray and our worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna guide us through a song called Come As You Are. And it's a, kind of a new song in general, but it's a new song to us. We sang it a couple of weeks ago. And I'm going to do this weird thing. I'm going to ask you to do this weird thing. So like, if, if you don't have a church background, this is going to sound crazy. Uh, if you have a church background, it might sound normal, depending on your background. But I'm going to invite you to come to the front of the stage here this morning. We've got some open seats up here in, in the front. I'm going to invite you to come up. And, and sit in one of these seats or come up and kneel uh, by the edge of the stage and have a conversation with God about your trust in his sovereignty. And again, that may just be the weirdest thing ever. And, and, and here's what you need to know. You don't have to come up here. There's nothing magical that's going to happen up here. You can talk to God wherever you are. But there are moments that we need to do something symbolic. Like we need to get up and move. And doing that, it helps us bring something to God. It helps us leave something behind. I mean, it changes our reality just a little bit, enough for us to go, Lord, I'm just not gonna deal with that anymore. I've been dragging that around for so long. I'm just gonna leave that here. I'm gonna move forward with freedom. So again, nothing magical happens up here, but something might happen for you as you come forward and have a conversation with God. So what trust issue do you have with God? Like what trust thing do you need to come forward maybe this morning and say, Lord, I, like I'm taking a step. I'm, I'm trusting you with this thing. Maybe you've been fighting God's sovereignty for a long time. And uh, maybe this morning you just admit, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I've been trying to control my life for, for years. And like I, this morning, I'm just saying, God, I can't do it anymore. I'm trusting God my life to you and the control of it. I'm giving my life into your hands. Maybe this morning you just need to come up here and just cling to a God who's completely in control. Maybe there's a health issue in your life and you've been trying to figure this thing out and you've been going to doctor to doctor and you haven't been able to figure it out and you're trying to control it as best you can and this morning maybe you're just needing to say, God, I trust you with my health. I can't figure this out, but this morning I'm bringing my health to you and I'm saying, I'm making a declaration I trust you with my health. Maybe there's a financial issue that you've been trying to control your finances for so long and it's just beyond your ability to control and you're struggling in your finances. And maybe this morning you just need to come and say, I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my financial situation. I trust that you will work this out in a way that really honors you and will benefit me ultimately. Maybe there's a, a relationship issue And there's a lot of relationship issues that we can have. Maybe you're struggling with conflict and relationship with somebody else and it's been a burden on on your life for a long time. And maybe this morning you're coming to say, God, I trust you. I'll do what you've asked me to do in scripture. I'll love them the way that you want me to. And this morning, I'm just trusting you with this relationship. There can be any number of trust issues that we have with God. And so this morning, I'm gonna invite you to come and trust God in a whole new way with that thing, whatever it is. So again, you can come. If that's significant for you, you can stay. If that's significant for you too. So let's pray. And then our worship team will come up and guide us. Lord, there's so many attributes of you, so many characteristics of you that we just love. Lord, I, I love knowing that, that you are a loving Father who welcomes us home every time we run away and we walk down our own path. Every time, you're a loving Father who welcomes your prodigal kids home. Lord, I, I love knowing that you are for us and that, Lord, as we looked in that week and we saw Jesus step in and defend a woman when she didn't deserve it, and, and we can all put ourselves in her spot. And Lord, I love knowing that, that you defend me when I don't deserve it. Lord, I love knowing that you're patient and you're kind. You're merciful. You're full of grace. I love all those things. But God, on a regular basis, I and we fight you in your sovereignty, that you are completely in control. And Lord, that's a tiring thing to do. Lord, some of us this morning, we're very weary. We're tired of fighting you. We're tired of of carrying that health issue. We're tired of trying to control that relationship. We're trying to control our finances. Lord, there's some of us that are just tired of trying to control our lives. We've just gotten exhausted from that. And maybe this morning, there's somebody here that says, listen, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And and maybe as they come this morning, Lord, maybe that's their their trust issue, that they're trusting you with their, their heart, their lives, and they're saying, I'm coming forward to put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm giving him complete control over my life. So Lord, uh, this morning, you invite all of us to come, to come and take a step in your direction, trusting you and your sovereignty. And Lord, I'm so grateful that you are completely in control because I obviously am not. So Lord, thank you for being a God who's sovereign. This morning we come as we are to you and we trust you. So I pray that you would work powerfully through this moment, this song, these words, and our step in your direction. Help us to move forward significantly with you. In Jesus' powerful
1: name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Epic. We're glad that you're here with us today. My name is Chris. I've got just a few announcements for you before Trent kicks off the service. First of all, I want to say thank you for all your prayer support for our middle school and high school ministry, and also for the adult volunteers that spent about a week over in Panama City Beach over at a camp called uh, Big Stuff. So yeah, oh yeah, Tim was there. He got about four hours sleep total over the week. So, um, But uh, yeah, good stuff. I've been hearing great stories. I'm just so excited. I want to personally thank all of our adult volunteers for taking the time out to just invest into our kids. I really appreciate that. My son was part of the camp, and uh, he just came back and just told me how awesome it was. So thanks very much to the, uh, the adults that uh, participated in that. Thank you very much. Speaking about our surge ministry, uh, Cody Anderson, for those of you that don't know him, uh, first service he was sitting up front and I asked him to stand up and uh, he kind of got a little red face. But he's in the back right now. He's over here. So Cody, would you wave to us? <laughs> Cody Anderson and his team of awesome volunteers that usually sit up right in this front section over here. They built a float for the 4th of July parade. The same parade that so many of you were so gracious to bring so much candy which made the float successful. But not only that, is that Our surge ministry took home this trophy from the 4th of July parade. That's awesome. And this trophy is given by the Rotary Club, and it is the Rotary Service Above Self Award. And what this really means is that our surge ministry is known in the community for giving back to the community. So what an awesome representation of Epic Church and of God's love that our children or not our children's but our teen ministry is known to serve in our community. That's not just walking the walk, that's talking the talk, folks. I think that's awesome. So one more time, great job to Surge. Really, really. That's good stuff. So if you've been coming to Epic for a while and you call Epic home and you kind of want to help support some of the things that we do over here, there's two ways you can do that. You can utilize the giving boxes that are set up on tables at the end of the seating rows. Or you can go online to theepicchurch.com and on the homepage is a giving tab and you can donate electronically if you choose to. Now, if you're a guest with us, I want you to feel no pressure at all to give. Please, that's not something we're trying to do here. This service is our gift to you. But I would invite you to stop by our Connection Center. It's in the back corner over there. It's got a sign that says Connection Center. We just want to give you some information about our church here. Maybe even meet you personally. Shake your hand and say hello. If you look on your seats, you're going to see two pieces of paper. The larger one is our announcement sheet. We put this out on a monthly basis and just kind of highlight some of the things that we have going on. You'll see one of those things is that we have a baptism on July 27th. Um, And if you've taken that step uh, in your relationship with God, you've turned your life over to Jesus Christ and you want to make that public announcement... Um, that you've done so, please go online and sign up for this baptism on July 27th. We're going to go over to Flagler Beach, North 16th Street, and uh, you're going to go into the ocean. We'll have a kind of a big party on the beach. It'll be really, really cool. So Trent's going to close out our series this week of God Is, and we've got a new series that's starting up next week, and this is a great series. This is a series that's going to talk about following Jesus. So if you're kind of unsure about what this whole thing is on following Jesus, or maybe you even know somebody that uh, is willing to come to church, and and this is a great starting point for them to uh, get involved with with what this whole thing is, please feel free to invite them. We're going to have a great series that's kicking off next week. The other sheet of paper that was on your seat is a picture of a team. This team of people is heading off to Guatemala this Saturday. My wife is part of this team, and I'm super excited for them. I think they're going to do great things down there. So what I'm going to ask you to do is take that, piece of, take that picture home with you and, and throw that either on the refrigerator, maybe on your vanity mirror, even on your dashboard, and please keep this team in prayer. Pray for you know, protection and encouragement and just different things like that. Um, and in fact, that now we're together as a church family, I'd love to pray for them right now. So, if you would either pray alongside uh, with me or just pray on your own for this team, we just take a minute or so and, and pray for them. God, we're just so excited um, to send a group of people from Palm Coast, Florida, all the way down to Guatemala, and and they're going um, with a mission in mind, Lord, and that is to uh, serve people. Um, they're going to hold babies, they're going to build houses, they're going to serve food, they're going to build relationships, Lord, and they're going to do this all through the strength that you're going to give them. So I would just pray that you would just, um, just give them motivation, give them the energy, um, that they're going to be in an environment where maybe their sleeping situation is not what they're used to, maybe the food is not what they're used to, Lord, but I would just pray that you would just surround them with your holiness and your goodness and that your love would just pour out through this group of people um, into the lives of, of people that are so much less fortunate than us i 'm um, I'm, I'm excited and i 'm proud to send this group of people that, that they 're willing to take a week out of their busy lives and they 're saying god i 'm coming with with just an open mind uh, i 'm coming with, with um, the, the possibility of growing in a relationship with you, Lord, through serving other people um, and, and i 'm excited for people to experience that. Um, So God, I just pray that our our church family here would keep this team in mind as they're leaving on Saturday and they would pray for all different things for them um, that you'd bring them back to us safely. And I pray this in your powerful name, Jesus, amen.